can you set up 180,000 appointments in three months, right? Mm -hmm. And so our AI technology was able to accept inbound calls, actually have a conversation and set up the appointment and then input that into their appointment scheduling system and send this person a SMS confirmation all without human intervention. Welcome to Uptech Report. This is our Applied Tech series. Uptech Report is sponsored by TerraLeap. Learn how to leverage the power of video at TerraLeap.io. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Ram Menon, who's based in Los Altos, the heart of Silicon Valley in California. He's the founder and CEO at Avamo. Welcome, Ram. Good to have you on. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Now, Avamo is a conversational AI platform. You're focused on helping enterprises basically create and deploy AI-powered applications uh, and around conversation. Help me understand, Ram, like what was the, the problem in the enterprise space that you're like, ah, they're, they're facing this. I got to solve this. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think there are two components to the question. So one component to the question is the way people are kind of transforming human-computer interaction. So that's the first part. So for the last 40 years, human-computer interaction has primarily been about inputting through a keyboard. And then in the last 10 years, we have moved even further and uh, we, we input using a touch, exemplified by the phone. And uh, now we are moving into the third phase, which is we're moving beyond the screen, right? There is no screen. And the opportunity to converse with your computer is so big, so large, and manifests itself in so many different ways. So we already have Alexa, we have Google, you're talking to your microwave, you're talking to your refrigerator, and what we do is we really focus on what we know best, which is providing and building AI-based conversational applications for large enterprises. So that could mean something as simple as getting order status, or it could mean as complex as understanding whether you have a migraine and what kind of neurophysician or just your primary care you want to talk to because of your migraine. So that's what we do uh, at a broad level. This um, shift, uh, I, I love kind of you showing the phases of, of inputting um, on a keyboard, then using our smartphone uh, as a touch, but now voice. It's like consumers are expecting it, are used to it, and now it's, it's being assumed I'm going to get the same experience with all the organizations I work with. Did you just like wake up and just say, I love AI conversational stuff. I want to help enterprises do this. Help me understand the story of, of how Avamo got started. Well, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point. Um, you know, before uh, Avamo, uh, I was part of the founding team of a company called Tipco. And what Tipco did simply 20 years ago seems very normal today, which was connecting applications to applications. And what we realized is just like the opportunity today, that's a very secular opportunity. It went on for 20 years. 
multi-billion dollar companies were created, right? So in the same way, when we were thinking of founding Avamo, we realized that the ability for humans to connect to computers, to applications, to workflows, is a secular opportunity for the next 10, 12 years, right? So we wanted to build a platform company that would basically be able to reflect that switch and be able to handle, handle multiple types of conversations. The conversation you have for support because your Android phone doesn't work is very different from the conversation you're having with your healthcare provider because you need your claims processed. And that requires a level of not just voice, but a level of understanding, a level of understanding sentiment, a level of understanding syntax, a level of understanding dialects, a level of understanding the domain, which is, you know, healthcare is very different from manufacturing and that requires AI. So if you combine voice, synthesis, intelligence, and context, you're able to create, and in some places, replace a human being who has been picking up the phone to answer your questions for the last 30, 40 years. So that's the point. And that translates into managing higher call volumes, using automation to reduce call center costs, and most important, the most important thing for people, they don't want to wait. Everybody hates waiting, <laughs> for sure. It, you state all these, the, the data uh, of how AI and, and conversational AI can, can play a role in, in the enterprise world. Help me understand like, what drives you. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't wake up in the day, oh, I want to help uh, reduce um, stats for these enterprise companies. Like, what, what really drives you and makes you want to do this? Well, you know, it's just doing things that have never been done before, right? So we had to invent a, a whole bunch of new technologies. See, uh, what we're doing, you know, people in the Valley like to call it deep tech, but it's like you're literally inventing, how do you understand certain things, right? How do you, um, like I said, you know, a human being processes this just almost like in milliseconds, hey, I got a he headache. Do you have a migraine or a vascular headache? A human being does that without, I mean, cognition. Like, how do you do cognition using software code, right? And then I think that by itself becomes very interesting. And then we get to the next thing. We have built interesting technology. We have 17 patents how our customers tend to apply it in ways that we hadn't thought before. Like, you know, and, and so that's exciting. It just keeps you going. You, you, you start on the engineering side and then moved into more of the marketing. Like how, what was your progression and your, your focus personally? Well, um, you know, I, I, uh, I was, I'm an engineer by training and at my previous company, I used to run products and I complained so bitterly to my then CEO about how we couldn't market it well that uh, he put me in charge of marketing. 
<laughs> that's one way to get a job is complain that that is not yeah, doing well. Yeah, for what you wish for, right? So, yeah. so, uh, so I was chief marketing officer of Tipco for a very long time, probably uh, longer than I should, like ten plus years, and I grew. We grew Tipco from a two hundred million dollar Silicon Valley company to one point eight billion dollar multi segment, multi platform company. So, I have the oldest cars. Uh, and so starting Avamo, I knew uh, was, you know, building a platform company is hard and, and uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. Being able to communicate the value of, as you say, a, a technology where you're like inventing new things and like changing the way people think, that's not an easy, an easy thing. So if you had to think back, whether it's a typical or already here at Avamo, a favorite failure on that you learn from in order to be able to help educate people on the value of a new product, new tech, what comes to your mind of a favorite failure? Well, I think, I think a lot of us in Silicon Valley um, get really kind of excited about the technology and, uh, and then we wax about it. And I think, you know, I wouldn't call it a failure, but in, uh, in the early days of Avamo, Avamo is still a young company, we would spend so much time explaining how we do unique things. And, the, and it was kind of very difficult because the customer was not able to grasp it. Why? Most people haven't done this before. So they are taking a risk even talking to you, right? And most people don't understand AI beyond what, whatever they read in the latest uh, technology magazine. So if you're taking a risk, you don't understand this, and you're talking to people who are obviously the smartest guys in the room, you scare a lot of people, right? On the flip side, let me explain how we did this and applied it to a current problem. So for a very large hospital in the United States, in, 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 uh, in the Northeastern United States, one of the problems they had was trying to get a whole bunch of COVID vaccine scheduling appointments done quickly. The traditional way to do it would have been, hey, you know, and listen, you know, I'm touching a lot of people. I need, need a call center. I need a call center where somebody can speak Arabic or, you know, Cantonese and I can Vietnamese. And then I've got to stand up all these people. I've got to stand up a system that's going to like handle appointments, change in appointments. And you know, the whole story of COVID, there was like, you know, websites that were just completely in the early days of this year, early months of this year. So what we were able to do is the person running the project did not want to hear about AI, did not want to hear about how good our speech synthesis was. All he wanted was, can you set up 180,000 appointments in three months, right? Mm -hmm. And so our AI technology was able to accept inbound calls actually have a conversation and set up the appointment and then input that into their appointment scheduling system and send this person a SMS confirmation 
all without human intervention, hmm. right? And when the number of appointment requests increased, you didn't have to hire more call center people. You didn't have to set up a new adjacent office staffed. All you do is add a few more blades on the server, right? So, so that is a good example of where when we started the company, we didn't think about COVID or we didn't think about COVID scheduling, but it's been applied in very innovative ways by our customers. The ability of the technology to work as, as you describe, where it's just is able to make it happen, that conversational, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight. Um, Can you share like some of the progress of, I mean, well, let's start with maybe what is AI? If you just define it, for me, like for in your, the way you see it, and then how you guys have been working on it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the point is, you know, AI is now an umbrella term that's, you know, we call it AI watching. You know, everything has to have an AI in it. But I think for us, AI is simply understanding people and executing on a request, just like a human being. That's all, right? So, so let's take the simplest example. Inbound calls, right? We're able to automate, automate all these repetitive calls. Hey, I needed an appointment with Dr. Bob. There's like 50 people going for that appointment. And the poor person who's picking up the phone, every time they pick up the phone and say hello, that's dollars, that's $20 or whatever it is, right? So how do you how do you listen and and say okay Dr. Bob's not available you know Joe's available or whatever that to us can be done using AI so that's the way we think of AI which is executing an intelligent interaction that a human being would do or Another way of explaining it is executing an interaction without human intervention, depending on how you want to structure that sentence. A lot of conversation around also is, is if it's playing this role of being able to understand requests and then be able to act on it, it can take the role of what someone else would be doing. Yes. So what do you say to, to people when they say, well, AI is just going to come and take all the jobs away? No, you know, I think I think this is kind of what people want to write about so that they that's clickbait to me. Right? So I think the point is I think there's a study that says there's 250 billion calls made every year for some reason or the other. I need the status of my claim, I need an update on my order. There has to be a better way. Right? So the second thing is 98% of customers like you and me, the most important thing they want is don't make me wait, right? Mm -hmm. So we are catering to these very important things that have become kind of the bane of our culture, right? Now, in terms of jobs, what, what this does is it's kind of like, you know, um, what 
the actual human being is now elevated to handle more complex tasks, right? And things that are not repetitive. I mean, there's still a lot of artificial and artificial intelligence. So we are not at a point where the AI can completely replace a human being. So what you're doing is in some sense, I feel over the next three to five years, you're just elevating the skill set of the human beings and what they're going to do to higher paying jobs, honestly, which is kind of what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what, what you would see, you know, 50 or 60 years ago, you know, you would have somebody using a wheelbarrow and a shovel to kind of, you know, fix the road. But now you would have a highly paid person who's running a paver or who's driving an excavator doing the same thing. Much more skilled job requires more work and requires more skill. That's kind of the way I think I would look at it. The rest of the stuff that noise is clickbait. This growth of AI and everything, as you talked about, also comes into play for students or entrepreneurs that are wanting to either learn or, or get a job in it or, or build a business around it. If you were to provide advice to, to someone uh, around this, what, what would you say? Or rather advice, maybe there's something they should ignore. <laughs> there is advice out there that you would say, don't do that, but do this. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think it boils down to one thing and one thing alone solve a real problem first and work backwards, right? I think, I think the world of AI is currently full of solutions looking for a problem because it's cool. You know, I can do this model. I can do a million data sets, but, you know, can you apply it? And I think that's the biggest advice I would give people because, you know, start backwards as opposed to just kind of going gaga and running victory laps about technology. For, for you, um, coming from Tipco to, to Avamo, this is now the first company that you've led as CEO. If you think of some of insights that you've learned and, and maybe the biggest thing that you've learned over, over the past five, six years, uh, no, sorry, seven, yeah. excuse me, 2014, since you started, uh, what has, has been the biggest contributor to your, your own um, personal growth in, in, in leading the company? I think, I, I, I think there are two things that matter when you start a large company. Oh, sorry, when you start a kind of what we call here a venture-backed company in new technology. And those are two things that are not celebrated, right? One is persistence, right? When you're doing new stuff, you never get it right the first time, right? And, uh, and the second thing is, you know, talking to your customer. And, and I think one of the things we in Silicon Valley as a tribe do is we celebrate a lot of things, but usually Either failure, we celebrate failure, which is okay, uh, but we don't celebrate persistence, mm. right? 
I mean, for every per, uh, for every company, there's suddenly a rocket ship. There was 10 years or seven years or five years behind on getting things just dead wrong and fixing it and iterating it. And I think that's something that we just don't pay attention to, you know. And the second thing is really understanding your customer, right? And a lot of people just push technology out. And when you say understanding your customer, it's not just the customer problem. It's will he pay for it? How much will he pay for it? How much is he willing to take untested technology? And because the benefits you're giving him is so large that he's willing to be your guinea pig. So, so it's not just the problem. You may have a solution to the problem, but you've got to know how much they're going to pay for it. Right? So that's, I don't know. That's my yes, view. That's the question. For, for that point of uh, persistence, uh, when you have felt whether overwhelmed or focused or, or lost focus temporarily, what did you do? Like what questions did you ask or what did you do to, to help keep that persistence? I mean, just just realizing that you don't get it right the first time, that's all. I mean, it's just kind of being self-aware and also making your employees uh, or, or, you know, self-aware that you just don't get it right first time, you know? And I think different people do it different ways. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg famously said, you know, move fast, break things. But that's not true either. When you deal with enterprise companies like I do, and my customers are Intel, Ericsson, they don't like things to break. Yeah, no breaking, no breaking. No breaking, right? See, like, so you've got to uh, get it figured out first and, and then and, make and sure then it doesn't break. A great, now, have you always been an enterprise yes. focused? Yes, very large enterprise. What? What are the unique challenges with the enterprise then? Because uh, I've been having a lot of conversations with SaaS companies in the enterprise, and it's it's its own bucket compared to small business or mid-market. Yes, it's, a, it's a completely different planet, right? So on the plus side is enterprises truly appreciate new technology that solves a problem, right? Because everything is for uh, in scale. It's all about scale, right? So, for example, you know, I, I talked about healthcare. You know, when you talk about healthcare, those jobs have not yet gone to the Philippines or to India. Because of data privacy laws, if it's in Denver, somebody is picking up the phone in Denver. Now, when that phone's picked up and there's a cost, if it's an enterprise class, class customer, the cost is multiplied quarter of a million times a month. They're handling 200, 250,000 calls. So if you're able to handle one call and do it well, you can handle 250,000 calls. That's real money, right? So the first and most important thing for enterprise is scale, right? The second is it shouldn't break. So this whole idea of let's fake it till we make it doesn't really work. 
because if it breaks, to use a rather crude term, they'll tell you, don't have, uh, let the door hit you behind on your way out. Just leave, right? So I think that's the second thing. And the third thing for a small company like us, or for that matter, any SaaS company is, if you are able to provide one and two, they can be incredibly loyal. There is no incentive if you're de delivering value. Yeah, why not, right? So those three things make the whole enterprise thing very different, right? In how they look at new technology, how they buy new technology, how they stick with new or technology they see value in. And if you play it right, that can be the three legs on which you build a lasting enterprise software company. The ability to, to communicate value and market, uh, that's also very a differentiated in, in enterprise. You don't market the same way. You don't, you don't gotcha. get new customers. What, what have you seen has worked well marketing-wise to be able to grow an enterprise-focused company? Just in, in the enterprise, there's only two things that matter. Two things. And, and it's been proven time and time again for me. Who else is doing it? And show me. That's all. The rest doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter who your investors are, what your brand is, how pretty your logo is. Doesn't matter. Who else is doing it? So I'm not the only idiot. And then show me. And when who else is doing it? Doesn't it have to be your own client. It could just be others who are, are adopting this technology, or does it need to be another of your clients? Absolutely, another of your clients, because uh, you know I'm gonna invest and risk myself on you, a shitty little company nobody's ever heard of. Why should I? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a perfectly valid thing, and I respect that. How do you get your first one though, then? The chicken before the egg. Well, that's why, that's what separates, uh, you know, kind of uh, the real ent enterprise, enterprise entrepreneurs from the rest, I think. No, no secret sauce you can share? Yeah, there isn't a secret sauce. You, you just got to be Grit and to, persistence? Yeah. Oh, For you as a leader, are there, are there any books that, that you have read, enjoyed, or recommend, or give to others? I don't know. I, I just don't see kind of books or, or, uh, or you know, a lot of this stuff is not in a textbook. Um, it becomes your own personal journey. And uh, to me, the book of hard knocks or the school of hard knocks is the best. You know, it's you got to make your mistakes. You got to make your mistakes yourself and you got to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, you know and learn from that because you know no book teaches you there there is no straight line path. You're uh, obviously having the right team, being able to lead the right team allows you to be able to deliver such a unique technology itself. That's true. That's true. Um, how do you how do you build the right team? Like where where do you look for the right talent and 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 when you're hiring them, you're like oh this will this will be the right person to add to our team. Just it's for me, it's very simple. Just hire people smarter than me. Yeah. Right? You don't have to hire just like the best AI engineer. 
because um, there are not a lot of AI engineers out there, you know? So hire smart people and they'll figure it out. Mm. So less right? on the title and the role, but more on the, just their ability to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's all that matters. I mean, you know, it, it's just like one of those things. I mean, I, I don't know. I think everybody looks for the silver bullet for everything. And I don't think there's a silver bullet. Hire smart people. Uh, I, I look for three things, you know, um, some indicator on how smart they are. The second is uh, intellectual curiosity. And the third is persistence, right? And those can be applied for a marketing job or for an engineering job. It just doesn't matter. You mentioned earlier on the thing. One of the things that just drives you is is the just building something freshly new, like just coming, being able to to solve new new challenges. When it comes to technology and and conversational AI, what are you most excited about? Where it's headed, and, and where both you are headed, but also the industry. I think, like I said, I think the biggest thing is is solving real problems. So I, I won't. So I'll give you some boring details, as opposed to exciting details. So the ability to automate your call center is is one of the kind of most exciting things for a variety of reasons, right? From an industry standpoint. I would say something outrageous here, but I'll go ahead and say it. There's been very little in innovation behind the invention of the 1-800 number, right? After the 1-800 number, all we've done is put more people to pick up the phone and still answer the same old questions and still like play around on the edges. I'll reduce call waiting. I'll give you a menu. I'll do, you know, whatever, right? So. So I think that, I think, is a huge, huge, huge opportunity in just solving one of the most consistent problems in business. Now, think about it. Whether you're selling blades or you're selling Teslas, at some point, you got a call to get something done. And the only thing you dread is waiting, right? So zero call waiting is something that we do, right? So that's, I think, one, one big part of what we are very, very, very excited about, right? Like that, that's so big of a problem that we can solve it in many different ways, right? So I think the second thing, which also gets a bad rap, is the concept of using AI to make the interaction human. I believe in the next five years, that is the closest that the average person is going to come to experience AI. You see AI, oh, it's like behind your the recommendation engine, or you see the AI that deciding how much premium you pay for your insurance. But you don't really come into touch with AI, you know, like Iron Man does, right? Yeah. So, so, so some of the areas are, you know, voices. You know, you, you are able to build synthetic voices. And that's a, that's a huge area of interest for us. In other words, before I confuse everybody, 
there is a concept of a brand. A brand means colors. It means a logo, right? It means a certain packaging. But now in this area where you're beyond the screen, it means a voice. So how do you build a voice that is not necessarily a celebrity who is just subbing for you, but a real synthetic voice that might be a combination of multiple factors that is representative of your brand. So these are some of the exciting things that are going on. I, I love um, both, the, especially the last part, that giving the, a, a new tone and, and uh, the right voice and being able to make it more human. It'll be interesting to see how that progresses. The, the first one, uh, <laughs> it, it's been a while since call centers have been, have been changed or, 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 or a whole new way to look at it. I, I love the, the focus on it. If I can play a, a devil's advocate, I know there are a lot of people there that are frustrated with the, some of the current automated systems where they just, they, it's, they, they always will just want to press zero. How right. do you see the future of that? Of if people are like, no, 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 I just want to talk to a person. How do you address that? How do you um, respond to that? Just, that's, uh, that's a great point. So that is a reflection of how bad things are. So in our situation, right, you just got to have a better product that people want to use. I mean, it's that simple, right? So, for example, you know, I just got the latest results of our, and we're like looking at this, right? Across all our customers, we have resolved 20 million calls in 2020 without human intervention, right? Our COVID scheduling has actually scheduled 40 million patients without human intervention. So the point is like the proof is in the pudding. If you are able to build an intuitive human-like experience that gets the job done, you know, that's what matters. Hard. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, because people want stuff to just get done. Mm -hmm. Right? So they don't want to hear, I don't understand, press zero to talk to an agent. Right? That's failure. So that's kind of the whole point. You have to build something that actually works and people are sensible and they'll use it. I think everyone is is wanting this a new wave of much smarter uh, technology they can they can interact with. Speaking of just technology, I always like to ask this too. Um, we're all consumers of it. Can you think of a of a cheap uh, cheaper tech or software that you've used in the last six months that you like? That's a tough one. I mean, you know, I don't use a lot of software. You know, I, I just don't. I mean, as a software guy. If I don't build it, I don't use it. <laughs> but, but you know, so I, I haven't seen anything interesting. I use Calm now, which is a kind of interesting app for meditating. So I feel those are some, those are areas where technology has intervened in the same way that I am, where you're reducing human intervention, right? So before, oh, you want to meditate, you would go to a meditation class, right? Now you can do that with an app. And that's interesting by its very nature, right? 
where you're reducing the human intervention and still giving some productivity gains to the person. So I think that would be a good example of what I think is interesting. I love it. I love it. Well, I, you, you've shared a lot both on, on kind of the progression of, of where, where interaction with the computer has been and where it's going. Also the journey that, that you've been on and, and giving clarity that it's, it's not a, okay, done, we figured it out, but it's that, that progression of, of, of iteration and learning. Um, and also I, I appreciate the future that you paint of voices. We're going to have, uh, maybe even be able to choose your own voice of who you want to interact with or b- unique brands will have a synthetic voice that we will uh, be able to interact with in the future. Thank you so much, Ron, for, for sharing this insight. For those that want to learn more about Avamo, it is A-V-A-A-M-O.ai. And you'll be able, to, uh, be able to get a little bit more insights of some of the, the ways that they are, are serving a lot of different enterprise companies. Thanks again, Ron, for this conversation. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We'll see you all on the next episode of Uptech Report. Have you seen a company using AI, machine learning, or other technology to transform the way we live, work, and do business? Go to uptechreport.com and let us know.